Hello and welcome to episode three of How Not, the brand new shiny podcast hosted by me, Luca Manning. And me, Kim McCary. We're two gobby Scottish creatives who like to talk about the big stuff and we thought you might like to listen. So here we are. Our podcast is here to remind you to always be good troublemakers, think big and ask how not. Here we are again. Hi. Back in the Priscilla Palace. I'm good. I'm actually feeling very energetic today. Um, I'm not too sure why. Maybe, maybe, I didn't tell you this, but my lovely flatmates bought me one of these mocha pots for my birthday. Beautiful red mocha pot. And they got me, it's like a three cup one, so like a three espresso one, but I'm the only one that drinks coffee, so I just drink mm-hmm. all three espressos. So it means I've got into a pattern of, I, I was trying to reduce my caffeine intake, but now it seems rude not to finish the mocha yeah, pot in the morning. Increase so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing about that, to okay. be honest. Caffeine flooding through my veins. Nice. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. We've both... We both filled up on Scottishness, didn't we? We've both been home. Yeah, right in time for today's topic, actually. Um, yeah, it was Easter holidays for me, so I went up and see my beautiful family and got a bit of Glasgow in me and feeling recharged with beautiful Scottish vibes. Yeah. And yeah, you had a nice time at home too, right? I did. So we had slightly different experiences. I went, I had to go back for a funeral and you went for a silent disco. <laughs> <laughs> What I didn't tell you was that my silent disco was actually a funeral. Oh. <laughs> it was a silent yeah, disco me and my week. mad family. Um, shout out to your dancer, Silent Discos, um, Jillian's fantastic company, who set me up a, an amazing um, socially distanced silent disco in Rock Hill Park. We so looked cool. like fucking nutters, <laughs> <laughs> and it was snowing. And but Donna Summer was in our ears, and that's all we cared about. Amazing. Um, yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, Very good fun. That looked really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just up really, really briefly, um, like 72 hours up and back, but it was really nice. I haven't been back. I think October was the last time wow. I was back. Because um, you you get special allowances, don't you, being a student? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they tell us that we're allowed to... I mean, you get tested both ways and, and then you're allowed to go and see your fam because technically... I guess because technically I still have two households really, my yeah. term time and my family yeah. household. Um, don't know how happy they are about me claiming that, but sure. Um, I do have a room at the inn, so yeah, I feel lucky that I got yeah. Like going back at Christmas and stuff was all very um, okayed because of my student status. Handy, um, which was handy. Yeah, you're gonna miss that. I know. I know. I won't civilian. miss much, but I'll miss that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I drove up. And back, and it was really nice because there was no traffic because I guess everyone's still locked down. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, did it in 10 hours each way. That's impressive. Yeah. I like driving, actually. I, it, it's quite nice. gives me time to think and listen to a lot of music. And well, you said last time you like, you like driving, but if it's just you in the car, yeah. like, you know. I don't want to share. <laughs> Kim is not offering any road trips to any of you <laughs> no, people. No, no, um, no. Unless you're happy being Unless you're mute. Silent. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was nice. And like you say, it was very handy because now we're going to come and talk about being Scottish, aren't we? We are, yeah. We thought it would be fun um, to do an episode on being Scottish and what that means to us especially as two folk that are living in London and we don't really have any idea what route this is going to take but here we are 
Um, let's ask, what, what does being Scottish mean to you, Kim oh McCarry? Um, so, yeah, like you said, so I have lived outside of Scotland for 13 years now. Um, so we're sort of approaching, in the not-too-distant future, the point where I will have lived outside longer than I've lived in. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, and someone once said to me that Scottish people get more Scottish the further away from Scotland they are. And I think there's definitely some truth in that. Yeah. I think I would say that I like figured out like what my sort of cultural identity was, my sort of national identity after I moved out of Scotland. Right. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I've lived out of Scotland for coming up to four years in a few months time but I I have come here to study so and I've always I've been really lucky that I've always been able to go back home like for work and stuff I feel like I've I've really jumped between both and I always say to people like I feel like my life is in London but I always need Glasgow in my yeah. life too like my heart feels very in both those places and I'm really comfortable with jumping between them and I don't think I'd want to be permanently in one without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree that I realised how much I loved Glasgow when I moved out of it because yeah. that was my home city. But equally, like, I don't know, in, in terms of, like, my cultural identity and stuff, I guess I'd, you know, I, I question, like, one of the things I wrote down was, like, sense of identity versus patriotism versus nationalism. Yeah. And I find it, I still feel slightly uncomfortable when I'm like too proud to be Scottish. Because I'm like, am I proud to be Scottish? Yeah. Or, or do I just like being Scottish? Or do I just have good banter and like drinking? Like what? Like <laughs> yeah. on what level am I proud to be Scottish? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think it's like, I'm wary that the minute you get down to London, it's very easy to, it's easy to be Scottish. We were very saying that easy. It's, it's, it's easy to be smug about being Scottish because mm-hmm. you're like, look at us, we're fucking great. Yep. But then when you're in Scotland, it's a, like, I was a bit more critical of ever, everything, I think, mm-hmm. and um, questioning identity a lot more Yeah. And and the history that comes with that. So... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. How do you feel about that kind well, of thing? It is weird to be, like, pride is a weird thing, especially when it's, like, it was chance that we were born there, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't... There was no choice that was made. And so that, yeah, that national identity thing is weird. And I don't know. I think... I think to... It's sort of made even weirder because I think what it means to be... British and English is really rather complicated. Right. So I think we have an easier time there. Yeah. It's always easier to be the underdog. You've got like a ready-made like story um, and you can uh, you can kind of shift blame from things away from it. You know, we, mm-hmm. we all struggled and, you know, whatever. So from that point of view, it's easy. Um, also... We have, there's just a really rich, like, cultural heritage, isn't there? Mm. And lots of really beautiful things, really easy to, like, there's enough positives to, to build an identity from. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, speaking with some of my English pals, like, I remember one of my pals in particular was, like, like, Wales, Ireland and Scotland all have, like, 
beautiful folk music traditions and it's so hard to find that in, in English heritage and in the culture of being English and I've always thought that was a bit of a shame really like like and 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 as you say it is easier to be the underdog because like England were bastards to us all so we can unite over <laughs> over that you know the, yeah. the facts are there but equally I think sometimes what we forget is that Scotland were fucking bastards as right, well no bits. and like no bits. I really realised like you know like growing up in Glasgow like the amount of time I spent wandering through the merchant city not understanding who the merchants were what part they played in the slave trade in the economics of the British Empire like Glasgow was the second city of the empire and like I didn't know that for a long time and I think being honest about the rich cultural history of where you come from but also perhaps the 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 shit that went on and like just confronting that can often deepen your sense of like I feel more comfortable with my Scottishness because I know that stuff Definitely. and I'm able to be critical of it. Yeah. So I quite yeah, it's like it's like a a toing and froing of like, yes, I I love this place that I'm from and I'm proud of a lot of what it has to offer, but I'm also aware of you know, you can't look through rosy tinted shades all the time. Oh my god. Oh. You can't see but I'm wearing rosy tinted shades. Um yeah, so you, you you can't be all like Scotland the you know, it kind of fucks me off when people are like just like Scotland, the fucking brave, every two seconds. Like blind patriotism is right, a very frightening exactly. thing. Exactly, uninformed, yeah, kind of flag waving. And I think which is what we hate about the English, right? Exactly. <laughs> so why should we do it in Scotland? And the whole, yeah, the whole thing about flags is weird, isn't it? Because it's about territory marking, and there's so many like, like you say, you know, about kind of not even questioning some stuff about like you know street names or mm. things like that. Um, I think it definitely deepens your sense when you can see both sides. I think it's really important to not think in this binary, like, here are the goodies and here are the baddies. Yeah. And and just acknowledge what came before. Instead of, like, trying to kind of ignore it or deny it, it's a very risky business. But then I think also, I sort of feel like we were forced to really identify, like, examine our identity because of the referendum. Totally. And yeah. especially, well, the referendum happening when I didn't live in Scotland was, was yeah, there was like, we were all confronted with that question. Yeah, we would have had very different experiences of the referendum, actually, because we're talking about the 2014 independence referendum, in case you haven't gathered. Um, so I was 15, I couldn't vote, Ooh. but I was super involved and campaigned and was very engaged, as were all my friends of my age yeah and i was living in glasgow which was one of the two yes cities so i feel like i was in a bit of a bubble and surrounded by a lot of activists that were of similar views to me yep and yeah so how how was it for you living out of london (laughs) it was in london very weird um i think what Regardless of what it is, if you're a minority, you are expected to be a spokesperson for your entire right. group, right? Yeah. So difficult. I sometimes felt during that time like I was some sort of like ambassador mm. for Scotland, and that was very difficult. Like I was, I've never been more aware of like otherness and difference um, as in the run up to that, and then the the direct sort of fallout from mm. it. So people would be. Um, people would ask me a lot about what I thought about it, which was nice, and it's nice to like 
to talk about stuff and really kind of work out what you actually feel about it. People were also very generous with their own opinions about it. Mm. Um, That's what I was thinking. I bet like every time you met up with someone, they just give you their point of view on it. But it's like, well, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's not, it's your, not your, it's not your business, business yeah. at all. And so that was really weird. So and also, so me and my family had like polar opposite views. So that was like right. that. That's quite a complex thing as well. So there was lots of um, discussions from that point of view. Um, I remember the night of the vote. Some a friend of mine from college put on Facebook like something like, "Come on, Scotland, don't be stupid." like something like that mm. um and it was like oh i feel ill like there's there's so much of that i don't know how many times i said it's not about not wanting to be connected to england right it's about it's not about it's not about you all the time totally. <laughs> like this is about something completely different and it's such a nuanced position and it but because it was such a like emotional Everyone was so emotional. It, it was, was such a heightened emotional, emotional yeah, state, yeah. right? And then you had people like um, Annie Lennox being like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. Annie, shut it." Everyone was like, <laughs> like, everyone that had a better power to like oh, yeah. weigh in on, like, I'm suddenly like, shut the fuck up. And like, um, there was um, a friend of mine ran these beautiful events called um, "All Back to Boys." Oh, nice. Um, w- because. David Bowie had said, like, please don't leave us. Like, everyone was, like, wading in, you know. Um, which is really interesting because I think the cultural, like, community of Scotland were fairly unanimously yeah. for independence. Yeah. yeah. And I saw such beautiful things come out of that, like, amazing yeah. activism. and But just, like, so much celebration as well. Like, I really felt like it built a really strong, loving community that you could, that still exists now, I which agree. I think is amazing. Um but I I um I remember the day of like when I woke up to the vote, I had to go and do this um panel discussion in Lancaster. And it's really I think what I really missed was like collective grief. Mm. You know, I, I had no one to share that with. I was like completely on my own. That's so difficult. Yeah. And um the only people I could share it with were people who had no stake in, in it, hadn't voted, prob- were, were, were relieved, because if they were of my sort of broad political, kind of progressive, you know, left-leaning persuasion, they were glad that we'd stayed, because it helps to push yeah. back again. So, you know, and I understand that. But so there was no one I could connect with, and but it really felt like I was... It was grief. It was, like, really was, raw yeah. grief. Yeah. And it was really hard to... It was hard to not be angry at people... For, you know, I, I've people I knew who voted against it. It was really hard to not be personally angry with those mm-hmm. people for a while. That took me a long time because I felt like we had this amazing chance, and I felt like we handed it back. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. And I was, I, it, it really took me a long time to like understand how to, how to like digest that, but then also how to move past it without. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's so much energy went into campaigning for it, then you don't get. And it was and what people forget is it was a positive campaign. Oh man, so positive! Like, you know, the the yes campaign that I was a part of was never about running about in kilts, eating haggis every day, playing Scotland the Brave. It was about it was one of the most diverse 
campaigns of activism and grassroots activism that yeah. I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It was full of love, of hope. People from all backgrounds that just cared about a, a community self-determination, that cared about the right to to self-determine, you know, to yeah. self-govern and and to to and saw an opportunity to actually fucking change shit. Mm -hmm. And like my I remember how angry my mum was like talking about that grief and that anger and I'm like well, and, and my gran, and it's like, well, these people have literally lived under, like, not just Thatcher, but, like, g consistently under a government that they didn't vote for. Mm -hmm. So there's so much resentment there. So like, much. And, and I hadn't experienced that on the same level, but what I was experiencing was, like, being out and, like, campaigning for something that was so full of hope and, like, just it being, like, talked about as this, like, negative thing of like mm -hmm. cutting off or like yep. or in some way nationalistic or like a, a divisive or yeah of course there was passionate arguments on both sides but like we were the underdogs from the start like when the yes campaign started it was at like a ridiculously low poll rate yep. and then to get to 45% was like a massive Incredible. deal in like a matter of years and like that shows how much hope there was and 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 the, yeah. and the surge and like like it's no word of it there's no coincidence that young people were like predominantly yes voters because I feel like we've seen the opportunity of change and like of radical change and that's what it was about for us definitely so I think yeah like it was just it was grieving it was really difficult to suddenly try and move on yeah but I don't think we have like I don't think things ever went back to to how they were no and I think like, that's it's, yeah it's now informed politics in Scotland and actually society in Scotland and life in Scotland um, and art and everything since uh, yeah. it has been informed by that that independence referendum and, and and I think in a good way definitely I think that's it taught me a lot about being an activist is about like when you don't get the desired outcome what do you do next where do you yeah. where do you go next and also not to like throw the baby out with the bathwater and be yeah. like everything's fucked yeah. because like you say it opened a door that now can't be closed it like united loads of people and engaged lots of people, and it's informed everything we've done since. It's not the end of the story, but it is like when you put all your energy in one direction, it's very hard when you just hit a wall, you know. And like there was, there's been a couple of things that, um, well, I think loads of people who, who wanted, who didn't want independence, have rethought their position since the EU. Vote. Of course they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the EU was something that was tricky as well because it was another nuanced position of there was a lot of lefties that were of the EU. Yeah. Because it, at the end of the day, it is an institution that, you know, economically and stuff is not the most gracious. You look at what happened in Greece, etc. Yeah. However, I think anyone with any ounce of outward looking liberal kind of internationalist politics would be regretting that we made the decision we did because we're becoming this kind of little little England yeah. state of kind of horribleness. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, you know, regard you know, that was a quite a nuanced position on the left, but like I think now, you know, we see the disastrous effects that the EU thought was having on, you know, not just a rise in 
kind of hatred and divisiveness, but on culture and on travel and on the fucking world that we yeah. want to live in, you know? Exactly. And opportunity, again, being shut down, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, like, there's real power in tradition, and the longer a tradition exists, the more rooted it is, the harder it is to get out. And I think that's one of the main differences between Westminster and Holyrood. Exactly. That Holyrood is so young, so as to be far more kind of flexible and nimble, it isn't mired in hundreds of years of something. And so even if the people in Westminster, let's imagine for a second, that every person in Westminster, you know, felt no connection to anything that had come before, didn't feel a kind of, you know, were very anti imperialism and empire and all that stuff really wanted to be progressive the system the traditions hold them in Your place hands are tied. you absolutely know? and that's why i think you know when actually when i was home this weekend we had another we had another discussion about um, independence <laughs> we haven't had one for ages actually um and i'd said you know like we've had a very small amount of time to make any of our own political decisions. Mm. But let's look at some of them that we've made. They're they're the type of country I would like to be part of. I was going to ask this. I was going to say, are we more progressive? Yeah, well, I think we are. I mean, I think free um, prescriptions, free university education. um, There's a clear um, kind of consideration for community and society and for the welfare of people that, um, and those choices are being made at a fiscal level, we're deciding to put money into that. You know, it's not like, one of the the arguments that people put to me a lot is that Scotland only exists because of English subsidy. I'm sure you will have heard the same thing. Um, But it's about... Utterly patronising and disgusting, really. Like, we could all make the decisions to to remove some money from defence, nuclear weaponry, whatever. That are stored. Are, you know, the UK's nuclear weapon system is stored in Helensborough in Scotland, and it's just... And, and Scotland does not want it there. You know, yeah. it's, it's just... Yeah, we should move it to the Thames or something. Yeah. Um, but, like, when you, when you give a group of people, here's some money, make some decisions, I think what Scotland's proven is it makes interesting progressive kind of people focused decision making and i that's what i would like to expand on i'd like to see them being given more opportunity to make those decisions because yeah. i think we've proven over a period of time that that's the and i think that for me like nicola sturgeon once described it as civic nationalism like it isn't about you know the the heritage of a country it's about the the people that exist in it now in the future you know, of it yeah and yeah. i think and she sometimes said sometimes we can dwell too much on the the past right and that's it's it's actually about what's happening now yeah and she said you know if you choose to make scotland your home then you're scottish and i think that's a huge thing absolutely and we and we i i think um during the the height of the refugee crisis um that obviously is still kind of ongoing but um around kind of 2016-2017 when we were starting to see real um a real crisis of of people in um, horrific situations crossing the the water, um, Scotland was you know, despite not being able to make, um, 
it, like bit, the biggest decision, you know, Westminster was still the, it wasn't yet a devolved power, but it was so welcoming. I remember in Glasgow, like with refugee being set up and mm-hmm. just about, you know, it's like, if you come here, you are part of this community. And we, we do have a, you know, something about us that seems to encourage us to invest in communities. And I was going to say like, yes, in terms of political systems, Scotland has a more diverse parliament in terms of um, there's more parties involved in the decision making and the for, uh, the voting system, the proportional representation system allows for that and compared to Westminster, which yep. is the first past post and is rooted in bullshit old traditions. But for me, I think the thing that makes Scotland really progressive is the the grassroots stuff that goes yep. on, which then forms government. So like... Exactly. For example, the the Thai campaign, the Time for Inclusive Educa- Education campaign, um, was something you know Scotland ended up becoming the first country in the world to pass law that means it's mandatory for all schools in Scotland to teach LGBT plus inclusive education, and this came from the Thai campaign, which was a grassroots campaign run by two amazing folk that found each other during the independence referendum mm-hmm. actually and then just started campaigning and and took it to government level and informed that and another one that springs to mind is the story of the Glasgow girls who were a group of young girls who were grew up who all came as as um immigrants or refugees and um all went to school in like I think it was like the south side of Glasgow and then the at this point in time there was still dawn raids being carried out by the mm-hmm. Scottish government so you you know the immigration police would arrive in the middle of the night and got you up out your bed and you'd be put on a flight and you didn't know where you're going um and this happened to one of the girls and there was a group of about six of them I think um and um the girls fought and campaigned and again went to government level and that law was was abolished yeah and and that was a huge thing to stop child deportations in Scotland because of this activism again like with the better than zero campaign all they do for you know we have a really strong trade union movement in Scotland mm-hmm. I think these things for me just living here and like everything we spoke about in episode one that we are facing here and I just think of like what I was a part of in Scotland and the people I was around I just some like and it's not to say there isn't inspiring movements happening here but yes there is a, an an easier route to inform decision making and and it would be n- no bad thing to have that route become easier and yeah. and quicker and yeah. more self-sufficient and i'm not saying that you know things are perfect you know but the point is when shit decisions are made it's going to be a lot easier to hold them to account if you're self-sufficient yeah definitely than- i think do you think that the reason why people feel kind of more empowered to connect with the Scottish government is because they can, it's easier to see themselves reflected back into it. Because I think there's a, you know, there's a diversity, not just, there's a class diversity mm. in in the people in Parliament, but there's yeah, also... went to Eton, for example. Yeah, there's also, like, there's a mixture of sexualities reflected. Yeah, I remember right? at one point, Scotland was like the gayest Parliament. Like, every major political party had a... LGBT yep. leader, which was quite amazing. And so many women... Although I've never understood gay Tories. I'm just like, why? It's confusing. How, how does that... How do you come to that conclusion? Section 28? Oh, I know. Uh, horrendous. But yeah, it and loads and loads of women. Right. Amazing. Like, And I think it 
just feels again a bit I think you can see yourself or okay I can see myself in Nicola Sturgeon more than I can see myself in Boris Johnson right let's just <laughs> I for, for example like Nicola Sturgeon likes to read a lot she posts like pictures of the book she's reading you can see like she posts pictures of like her you know sitting room or whatever here she's reading books I connect with that. Mm. I like. I understand that. I can imagine you kind of living your life doing that stuff. I am not sure how far back I'd have to stand before I could understand what I had in common with Boris Johnson. You'd probably reduce into a black hole of nothing because <laughs> yeah. the answer is We both like nothing. eat food to survive. I think that probably might be... Probably quite different food. Yeah, definitely quite different food. And I think that, like... And like Mary Black is another example. Yeah, I think Mary Black was a, a big one for me. Someone that just is so. I'm just so fucking glad that she exists. Yes. Um, and and again, it's like important that we kind of understand that. Just it doesn't really matter. It does matter to an extent, but it's, this isn't about your alliance politically or your belief system or what you think about big parties or governments or whatever it's just about the, to have someone sitting in parliament that has the background that Mary does and what she stands for I am happy she's there Definitely. you know and yeah it's, it's a good thing and I think yeah on that basis I would also agree that Scotland has proven to be more progressive I remember the first time I came to London I was like they were like nine pounds twenty five or whatever for <laughs> prescription. I was like, what? I was like, you're you. joking. <laughs> and I'm paying for uni. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, Rinsing no. me. And it's eight pounds a pint. <laughs> yeah, no. What the fuck's going on? I think that's the biggest cultural difference, isn't that's the question I get asked so often when I go home is like <laughs> when you're at the pub and someone goes, How much would this be in London? Well, I think that's what you do wherever you go in life. It's like you define a place by the price of a pint or a coffee. Yeah. And that's how you kind of know what the economic situation is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot. I mean, maybe we can that lead nicely into kind of being Scottish in London and all that yeah. entails. Because I definitely, I love being a part of the kind of Scottish in London thing. But it's it's a funny, it's a fucking funny thing. Because like, I feel like, so whenever I go home, me and my flatmate take about a week to re- under relearn how to talk to each other because <laughs> yeah. my accent definitely you know I go back home and they're like oh you sound like a fucking Londoner oh, and no. then I come back here and they're like sorry what <laughs> you know so it's like this awkward place of like oh is my accent changing and all this and then I remember really a really vivid example of this was in my second year I lived in Bow in East London and my mum had to phone up to ask the estate agent to ask a question about like something she had to sign as like a guarantor and she was like, hiya, my son's renting a flat off you in Bo. And they're like, where, sorry? And she's like, in Bo. And they were like, oh, do, do you have the postcode? And then and then they like, input the postcode. And they're like, oh, boo! <laughs> and mom was like, son, fucking good luck if you ever get into a taxi pissed on a night out because like, they're not going to understand where they're taking you. And I was like, it's fine because in Uber you can just put in the postcode. Don't have to talk. But um, yeah, what are some of your funny experiences yeah I find um, spelling things over the phone 
is like something oh my God, yeah. that I. So you know, there's the phonetic alphabet, yeah. right? Uh huh. I can't remember it. No. Obviously, always forget it. Yeah. So I make up words on the like as I'm saying them. Yeah. Um, and I panic because I can't like think of one quick enough. And it's like the vowels of stuff. You know where I spell a word with an A in it and they're putting an I or an E mm. and then I, I'm like saying it over and over again thinking like I can't enunciate this A any more than yeah. I'm doing like this is I'm like and then I like panic I can't think of a word uh, that begins with A but that t- like I think if someone cannot see my mouth moving they don't know like what it, what word is it you're yeah. trying to spell and I remember not being in London but I was in New York and I'd got a like a snow globe for my mum and I was checking into a flight at JFK and I was trying to ascertain with the um, lady did the liquid in the snow globe what how was I treating this was I treating it as a toiletry that had to go in my bag where <laughs> is it is going fucking jokes. and I was going like oh I just have a question um what would I do with a snow globe and she was like a what and she's you know everyone at JFK is really angry with you anyway and I was like, you know, a snow globe. Because it was in my bag. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know what you're saying. And I, and then I was like, a snow globe. And I sort of made a gesture with my hand, which is, there's no way to define what this is either. No. It's just like a circle. I mean, a little shake. And I she was know. just like, ma'am, I don't know what a snow globe is. <laughs> and I was like, ah! a snow globe. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to need a pad and paper to go, to go through life showing me. And I actually think my accent isn't strong. At all. No, mine is mellowed so much. Yeah. Like I watch old videos of myself and I'm like, Goodness. who is she? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you are right? Are you doing? You know, I'm like, so uh, basically, uh, you know. <laughs> I actually, I, I showed um, a friend of mine here a video of someone that I went to school with talking and I said like, wow, you hear the difference in that Fife accent and mine? And she was like, they sound exactly the same. And I was like. Really? Five's a weird one as well because you don't have a five. Not at all. Level, no. You know, like the kingdom of five. Man. You know, you don't really have that. I kind of wish you did. I mean, well, you know, someone said on uh, on Facebook today, yesterday about us that we should have called the podcast "How No." Yeah, Josie Freighter. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, yeah, but we are actually quite gentrified Scots, aren't well, we? Well, yeah, and also like I would have been up for that, but then the problem is we need to think about. Because I we we thought about this and I like the fact that how not derives from a Scottish phrase. Yeah. But it's not something that we're going to get asked every two seconds of everyone we know in London. What does it mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. So yeah, it's it's a tricky one, you know, like because it is how not, you know. But I don't think either of us speak like that though. No. I definitely say how not, but I wouldn't say like how no. I might after a couple of shots of tequila. <laughs> I kind of get more ragey as I as I. <laughs> Doesn't everyone get, get more ragey? Absolutely. Get My sister told me a really funny story actually recently, when I was home and about accents and she has quite a, like like she's more like posh wanker than I am. Like, okay. In her accent, and um, she was in Manchester clubbing, and then she was outside with these Manchester folk, and she just decided to like be English for the shits and gigs and it was all going swimmingly and then she got a bit bored of that or like maybe she couldn't keep it up any longer so she just went into like her accent and the people she was talking to were like 
God, that is a fucking poor excuse for a Scottish accent. Like, that is a terrible impersonation <laughs> oh, no. of someone Scottish. And she was like, no, 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 this is, this is my I'm accent real. now. I'm real, I'm a real boy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they were like, this is shit. So it just proves how much of a letdown your own authentic accent can <laughs> exactly. actually be when you can actually just play whoever you want. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought about, and I wonder if this will like change when we do when Scotland becomes independent, is the difference in the way that, say, Ireland and Scotland have handled um, Indigenous language. Right. So Ireland, you know, you're you're taught to speak. Gaelic, you're taught to speak Irish all through school. Um, like it's kind of blanket, you know, all the signs are bilingual. Um, actually, th- there's, if you, some of your exams, if you sit them in Irish, so if you do a maths exam but you sit it in Irish, you will get extra points towards your university. So there's lots of kind of incentives mm. to learn that language so that kind of everyone has a basic understanding of it. Whereas, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't have any Gaelic No, education. I had a Gaelic teacher. So I, I knew people that went to the Glasgow Gaelic school. Yeah. Um, and But I went to, I didn't go there. But in my primary school, there was a beautiful teacher called Miss Smith who was from the Isle of Lewis. So we spoke Gaelic. And she, and everyone that I know that had this teacher, you know, I was even speaking to someone recently who's a bit older than me and they'd went to the same primary school well, the primary and had her at some point. So, and we all know this song about porridge, right? And it's really weird. It's like you can be at the pub in Glasgow in the West End and if if you start singing Brooklyn, Lounge, you'll have a fucking <laughs> roar of weirdos oh, so that lovely. remember this Gaelic song. So I knew bit. So I was always really thankful that she taught us that bit of like some, some Gaelic because it, it, yeah, I think it is something that should be preserved and 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 also not just Gaelic but Scots. You know, th- there's a singer Iona Fife mm-hmm. who's really made amazing um, movement recently. On you know, I think she got Spotify to like recognise Scots as a language and right. their playlisting and and she's been holding a lot of beautiful online events around Scots mm-hmm. around the language and because you know in Aberdeen they have Doric and yeah. it's quite closely linked and I think. Yeah, we should be championing these funny little, you know, idioms of of language and 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 how they've evolved, and I think it's amazing. Even like like slang and Ouija slang and like yeah, it's like it's so intrinsic to our identity and who we are that I think it's it's surely a good thing if we try and embrace and preserve. The, the spoken word definitely in our countries like because that's what I love about other folk yeah um where they're from and and you know I, I love accents and language and and words that you have for things and all my Irish pals I just fucking love like all their little Irishisms yeah in their language and I think it'd be really I wish I'd spent more time I know get out the fridge Hikamakat and Roder let's get out the fridge in Gaelic were you often um, in the fridge as a child I'm, uh, I'm still often in the <laughs> fridge to be honest Kim <laughs> I'm spending quite a lot of time in there um, so yeah I think Gaelic gets a thumbs up from me I, and Scots I think well yeah a lot of people don't even realise it's a language itself exactly and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. we're all I think most of us take for granted that it's kind of peppered throughout our language anyway mm-hmm. Um, I think I really, especially as I reflect back, I think 
there was a maybe it wasn't explicit but there was a really clear kind of move away from Scots because it was it people felt like it was related to kind of lower classes so you I've noticed in recent years there's been a really nice kind of reclaiming of it mm. which is kind of because I do I do think that part of our national ident our cultural identity as Scottish people is it can be quite sort of head down sort of um self-deprecating kind of you yeah. know um and that there was a I, there was a, a clip I saw of a, a linguist talking to um, a man with a very um, Scottish accent. He's a, he's a rapper. Oh yeah, the Darren McGarvey, yeah, yeah. low key stuff. Yeah, I I was also just thinking about that. Yeah, there. and her and she was yeah saying that there's there's so many kind of really ingrained like perceptions of people of that class. Way. Yeah. It's the first thing you hear in someone yeah. is their their voice and you perceive you you um, assume so much about a person. Yes. Because of the way they talk, mm-hmm. and I think. I've, I think Scottish people definitely understand that yeah. on, a, on a fundamental level. The minute you're away from Scotland, the way you're treated because of how you speak definitely. Is, 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 yeah, interesting. And I think the whole of the UK, because there's so many accents in such a small kind of Even geographical mass. Even across London, like, yeah, yeah. the class, talking about class, you know, and and um, and, and cultural divide as well. Yeah. And, and there's certainly... You know, there's we we know there's different ways that people talk and like people talk about roadmen and all that and like it's just assumed that you are there's an expectation to be that person because when you're talking about Scotland and head down and I have this real thing about I've grown up in amongst like the west of Scotland male mm-hmm. thing of like you know I think Scotland that stereotype is aggressive it's emotionless yeah it's it's tough. And I think it'd be really beautiful to see, like, Scottish cultural identity embracing a a softness and a beauty and a romanticism. Definitely. As opposed to this, like, fucking, like, stone-cold, like, man thing. Yeah. Um, Well, that's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very easy, like we were saying, to kind of hold on to all the good bits of Scotland to be Scottish, but let's talk about some of the shit bits, and I think one of them definitely is that. Yeah. I think, like, I recently read Shuggy Bane. Oh, yeah, I really need to read that. And I had, I had, I couldn't finish it, I had to stop. It was, like, I don't know what it was about it necessarily, but it just felt far too close and far too real. Mm. Um, It's just like, like you say, this, you know, it's kind of like, um, 80s sort of mining community kind of working class yeah you know really kind of abject poverty but also like incredibly um abusive relationships and abuse and lots of like that that really horrible kind of scottish manly man yeah. thing and it all just felt a bit i was like i almost like i don't know i've been exp- not not first-hand being exposed to it, but, like, this has been in my cultural world first-hand. I don't need to read yeah. about it this again, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but and then to see it romanticised for this for art, like, yeah. of course there's a truth and an authenticity there. I'm not denying that. Yeah. But I think, you know, I watched Trainspotting recently with my flatmate because she'd read the book and never seen the film, and it's such a great piece, obviously, but, like, 
what makes it even more poignant is the fact that that was yeah. from a place of reality. That's not fantasy. Exactly. This you know, like Arvin Welsh is someone that really narrates the human condition yeah. of that time and and like yeah I just think like if you're not Scottish then you it doesn't hit in that way yeah cause it's because it's not parody you've not seen it like yeah. first hand you know yeah. and I, but also I think um, another really bad bad Scottish bit is uh, the Orange Marches I was just about to speak about sectarianism you know mm. we've seen everything that's going on in Belfast at the moment and it's really upsetting to see um, and we I, I do feel like Glasgow is a bit of a microcosm of what we see in Northern Ireland yeah um, I've definitely been aware of sectarianism and football culture and mm-hmm. religion for as long as I've been alive yep. in Glasgow you know either side of my family are di- of different beliefs mm-hmm. and even though I wasn't you know I'm not I would say I'm not a part of that. Mm-hmm. I was still dragged to matches as a young child and and you hear things and and like I'm invested in the politics of it um, and I have my own opinions there but the level of violence and aggression that comes out of like these beliefs like of people that have no idea the slightest thing that they're even on about it's just purely for the sake of like downing a bottle of bucky and chipping somebody it's like it's really worrying and like i you think every time it looks like it's kind of dying out it comes back again like what we've seen recently like with the the ranger celebrations at george square and then what we're seeing now in, in belfast it's like you think we've moved on and then it all comes back and it is it's rooted in like again age-old traditions like bullshit like old school and then there's a a cycle there of like my grandfather was this ash wearer and and it's just this expectation to join the club Mm -hmm. and like i fought so hard to not engage really and like i just feel for like then that's because I had other people to turn to in my life and other things that I was invested in. Yeah. Like painting my nails as opposed to sure. going to the football. <laughs> um, why not? But that's not a reality for a lot of folk. No. And the sense of belonging is it's such a strong and powerful force to be part of something. And if that's the only thing that's been offered to you exactly. as a thing to be part of then it's because it is a community it might be a fucked up community but it is and if you don't have that elsewhere then you're gonna go to the pub and go to the game and fight alongside your pals and it's it's quite it's very tribalistic yeah and it's and it's very and playing a flute nationalistic a flute choir so many flutes and piccolos so many fucking flutes pick a different instrument it's it's horrific if yeah. you've ever heard an orange march, you'll never forget it. Yeah, you can almost it keeps you awake at night. The thought of hearing one coming so shrill, so very shrill. Yeah, but for people, yeah, for people who don't know, this is about kind of Catholic and Protestant kind yeah. of tension, Divided, isn't there? Yeah. And very, but it's spilled out into other things. That's the thing you you try and explain to people. Yes, it's about Catholic and Protestant beliefs, but then it's kind of become so far removed from that to the point where it's now. At foot in football, and and then depends referendum people were voting based on the fucking team they were going to support. Yeah, and like 
it's it's like orange lodges and traditions and weird fucking things there and it's just become like a total like even do you know and it's still not away because my again when I was home like my mum and her partner were like going on a walk and they could hear this group of teenagers who were like singing sectarian songs mm-hmm. and like I, I can't even repeat what yeah. it, and it was like racist stuff and it just disgusting and these are like 14 year olds right are just saying this stuff with no no like awareness of the weight of it like exactly. no awareness of like what it's rooted in yep so that's what worries me just the fact that it's free fall definitely like, just oh yeah because it's not just it's not like church congregation scrapping no. it's moved far away from mm. that and it's far more rooted in like yeah so there's obviously there's clear alliances um between football teams and whether they're Catholic or Protestant mm. teams and schools schools yeah and streets and parts yeah. of town and I think it's I, I think it's probably it's more pronounced on your side on the west coast and on the east coast it is yeah, yeah yeah I mean Glasgow is really where it's yeah seems to have been most prominent and you know like I'm all for people enjoying themselves and, and if football fucking floats your boat and yep. get sailing but I just have seen we I mean we've all seen the the unnecessary levels of violence yeah to no. people's lives based on this bullshit and it's just and also the 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 the, the things that you then see people aligned to so it's like you know the Orange Lodge turn up at fucking national front marches and then you're like yeah. well actually no, this is not, this is going beyond, you know. Yep. So this is a problem. Definitely. Um, do you ever, when you're outside of Scotland, um, do you s- encounter people who will tell you, oh, yeah, my, like, great-aunt was from Stirling, or my... Oh, know, yeah, so. all the time. My granny's auntie's Doug's hamster <laughs> yes, actually went it. to Easterhus once yeah. and stayed the night. It's quite, um, it's like yeah. a club people want to be part of, yeah. right? And there's like a big, massive kind of in in America. That's a big thing to be. Oh yeah, they really romanticise the, the tartan. Yeah, they? they love it. Yeah, and yeah. um, but yeah, I think and again, that's that's like there's enough good stuff in our cultural history to want to yeah, connect I mean, to that. Yeah, that's cool. Right? That's cool. I think what annoys me more is when people are um, derogatory. Yeah. Because I've had. I remember playing Ronnie's and. It was like not bad for a Scotsman and all this, and I, you just think what? Like, yeah, it, and like yeah, I did a really posh city of London gig for this bullshit. You know, again, one of these old old traditions, one of these um, like trade companies in the city, and like Fergus McCready came down to play with me, and he actually when we left, he was actually like really angry he was like because I was kind of laughing a lot off but we had to kind of mingle that we were invited to stay for dinner and like just some of the comments really got to him because mm-hmm. he's I'm, I, I suppose I'll probably come a bit become a bit more numb to it but like just like um come back down to civilization soon and they all think it's so funny mm-hmm. and they're like oh jolly and actually that's you know where you're from isn't something you can change about yourself and to just constantly be like seen as lesser than yep would you know it's bullshit 
I was at a meeting once a few years ago, and there was like it was about um, it was about jazz ahead and mm. whether there should be like a kind of multinational sort of combined force there. Um, oh yeah, because Scotland and Ireland do a joint. Yeah, we did a joint right? one. Yeah, but this was like before any of that. There was like lots of organisations got together, and so I guess there's maybe like twenty or thirty people in 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 the room. Um, and someone from the Department of International Trade was there and was, I guess, one of the first people to speak and he had, had said something about, like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously there'll have to be some kind of, uh, you know, allowance made for, you know, we'll have to have a leak on the stand and a bit of tartan on the stand and, a, you know. Um, he was saying that because he didn't realise that three of us were Scottish. Mm. And that's the stuff where it's like, and everyone's, I mean, the people who knew we were Scottish were, were a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, and then some awkward. people are just like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. There's these accepted prejudices and that are quite hard to fight against, I think. We see it all the time. It's completely okay to be derogatory about um, the travelling community is yep. completely and okay. And again, Irish folk as well. Like yep. Everyone going on about potatoes in the famine. Like, yep. It's actually disgusting. It's like, horrendous. Do you know how many people yep. like suffered and died because of that? Like it's atrocious. And then you know, in Scotland as well, with everything that happened up there, and in terms of the industry shut down under Thatcher and all that, and yep. it's like the Scottish people. Like and and you know, I could go on and on and on, but like you know, you're talking about people that have had a fucking hard time of it. So it's not funny to, you know, sit on your fucking monarchistic throne and dish out shitty, you know, remarks. But then that's that's what we said before, where it's like, you don't you don't always want to be the spokesperson for everyone, no, right? No, like, I'm not, you're not. Yeah. And, and, like, it's not about, like, constantly being, like, fighting against that. It's just, like, it is something that I've noticed, like, as... I've, I've, I'm not living in Scotland anymore. Yeah. It's interesting. Definitely. Because yeah. I think, and I, I think one of the reasons why there's like a really strong Scottish community in London is because um, lots and lots of musicians, we moved south when before there was a a place to study jazz. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so lots yeah. of people moved to Birmingham, lots of people moved to like Leeds and lots of people moved to London. And so there was a kind of, that definitely when I was growing up, a kind of like, Accepted. You can have to move down yeah. there if you want to yeah. do this because it's not a, not a, an option now. Yeah. Um, and I don't. And I I probably until I lived here felt like that. Like it was I was compelled to do it without really wanting to. Right, I wouldn't okay. necessarily say, "Well, I can't." You know, would love to live in London. Whereas I love it now more yeah. than I can you know say. But it was like, yeah, I should move here. It's you know? interesting because obviously I very much chose because by the time it came around for me there was a thriving Scottish jazz scene and mm-hmm. thriving Glasgow jazz scene that yeah. I love being a part of and, and the conservatoire course for jazz was up and running and like I think now people are talking about jazz which is something that we've both been like grown up in like I really feel that the Scottish jazz scene is talked about across the UK now. It's amazing. It's so vibrant. It's crazy the amount of good music coming out of Scotland. Yeah. In such a tiny scene. Yeah. Um, But I made the conscious decision to come to London. Mm -hmm. 
and I think it was my sense of adventure, my sense of something bigger, mm-hmm. my yeah, just my thirst for new things. Yeah, and I'm really happy I did, but that doesn't mean I don't that that I love Scotland any less, or or that I would wouldn't have been happy had I stayed. Yeah, definitely. It just would have been a different life, really. Yeah, and I was I was I think I said this to you before. I was on a panel. Um, a few months ago and someone had asked me um, it was about the sort of what are the cultural implications of Brexit mm. spoiler loads yeah. nightmare um, and he, someone said well if Scotland w- did achieve independence would you move back and it was like first of all that was really off topic so like I hadn't even thought about that to prepare an answer. Is that difficult? It's a big, big question, question, isn't it? And then it's like, it is an important question because on the one hand, you know, I feel really, you know, a big part of my identity is being an activist and being politically engaged. I'm living in England under a government that I disagree with Mm -hmm. on almost every level. And there is an element of implicit support for when you live somewhere knowing that's the government and you continue to live somewhere and pay tax and all of that stuff, then you are supporting that system. Yeah, but we spoke about this and, and I think living in London's very different to living in, you know, a gr- gr- greeny southern, like, countryside. Yeah. You know, we live in London where there is access to relief from... The grim reality of yeah, being that's under true. this government—it's a metropolitan city where you can find your people, and there's activism going on. And like, and I also think by supporting Scotland's right to to self-govern doesn't mean that you need to go and base yourself that you can support that as a as an ideology and as yeah. a as a as something that you are for. Like, I'm like completely supportive of like many things that countries are trying to achieve around the world, it doesn't mean that you I'm to hoping. Live there. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So that's I just think true. that's a bit of a like surface level question. It's a bit it simplistic, really, yeah. really like address why you're supporting things. Like I'm supporting that for the rights of people that I don't know, for my family. Yeah. Like I want to make things, ultimately I want to make things better for everyone. That's why right. I voted for Corbyn. Like I didn't vote SNP, like, you know, it's That's like, a huge point, yeah. Like, We're not just basing it on our own experience. No, it's like you need to think bigger. And, and by Scotland becoming independent, will more people be happy and, and, and be able to create radical change? Yes. If that's available on UK-wide level, which, spoiler alert, it's not, um, then, it's then you, you know, you that's the reality. But yeah. you can still do things to fight for it, which is what we do, you know? Yeah. Because so yeah, like, there's a lot of plate spinning in that question. It's not simply like, oh, I quite like the way that country's run, so I'm going to go and base myself there. And granted, obviously, we look at the way countries, you know, the, the quality of life, and that determines where you might want to live. But the pros of living in London yeah. as a creative person outweigh the shittiness of living on, you know, of... of of, you know, we we keep, we're still surviving. Look at us. Yeah, just, you know. And you're right. I mean, it's never it's never just there's never one factor in those decisions, is there? And also, like, we could both wake up tomorrow and completely change our minds, and that's cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I definitely, I imagine, um, like when I'm older, I imagine going back to live there. Right. I can't imagine doing that now, um, but I imagine at some point I would want to do that. I told my sister I have a dream to get a flat 
in there's a beautiful bit of the canal in Glasgow called Spears Wharf mm-hmm. and it's like these flats that were like old like mill um, mill works or whatever and yeah. they're now like beautiful like the, the top flats like look over Glasgow uh, big high ceilings and big yeah. high ceilings and like open plants so if anyone wants to invite me around if, if you live one. in Spears Wharf or just <laughs> give me a floor in Spears Wharf I can again I can see myself at some point in my life having some kind of time there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel very restless at the moment. I don't actually want to be anywhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I sure. want to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's like, I kind of hate that when people are like, if you like Scotland so much, why don't you live there? It's like, fuck <laughs> off. I, yeah, I lived there true. my whole upbringing. Like, is that Been all right? Loads. Is that good enough for you? <laughs> yeah, like, I know what it fucking looks like. <laughs> and I go back for work and I go back on holidays yeah. and I see my family. Give me a I'm break. an official member. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I don't need to prove my Scottishness <laughs> yeah, exactly. to you. My blood is tartan. What so. do you want? Like me wearing no pants and a kilt? <laughs> exactly. like, fuck's yeah, that's very true. Yeah, thank you. You've made me feel better by answering that. I'll just go back into the time machine and I'll go back to that panel. Yeah, and now we'll have an this. answer. Just play this. Uh, here we go. I'll have an answer for you now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes me feel good about it. Yeah, you should feel good about it. I um, think... Out of like anyone I know in London, like we pr- we probably talk about being Scottish the most. In fact, no, my pal Rosie probably talk about it more with her. Um, like we literally call each other Hen like every day. Like, <laughs> You're right, Hen. How you doing? Um, but there's obviously something on a on a on a sort of sub- subconscious level. Um, I often I often dream about Nicola Sturgeon. She's oh my God, often in my I love dream. That. So the other day. Um, we we became next door neighbours. We had these beautiful flats. I don't know where they were, but she'd got a puppy, and she said, "Look, here's my puppy, this little Jack Russell puppy." And I said, "What's it called?" And she said, "It's called um, Timmy Talky Copy." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Nicola, are you sure you're going to want to shout that out in the park when you're calling it over?" And she's Timmy like, Tommy, <laughs> yes. "I can't even do it." And I was like, "I've lost my Timmy Tommy, Timmy Copy Copy." And she's like, no, no, I think it'll be fine. I was like, right, go, cool. that's fine, great, right, good Nicola. on you. Bit weird, but um, yeah. So I don't know. And then the other day, I is this because you record your your sleep? Were you talking about it? Kim talks in her sleep. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we should put that as a Patreon yeah, we, thing. <laughs> if you subscribe to our Patreon, you might get to hear some of Kim's meanderings. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, but they're they're often quite political. So. I some of my other political dreams have been, yes, have been uh, the other night I had a dream that Keir Stammer wanted to actually be an opposition leader. No, that is far too much of a dream. Um, he wanted to put a curfew on musicians' practice time, so he was <laughs> confiscating people's instruments, <laughs> and so that he had two policies he was standing on. One was this curfew for for musicians. The other one was about you had to get your nails cut a certain length. And, Brilliant. And I was like, listen, Keir. Those nails are far too short. You can hurt people. And I was so angry with him. And I woke up. I was like, fuck's sake. That's fucking amazing. Um, I've been part of Elizabeth Warren's campaign. That was good. Oh, um, nice. When she, I was one of one of her speechwriters. So I think I'm going to dream myself up a big enough CV that I'll, I can just insert myself right in. Yeah, you actually don't need to do anything in real life because you fucking <laughs> just it nailed it all in your dreams. Woke up. Done it. <laughs> oh, it was a tough day at the office last oh, night. Oh, mate. The stuff I have done. But, um... Okay, I feel like there's one more thing I want to ask. And it's just, as a little nugget of ending, I thought, who are some amazing Scottish folk or, like, Scottish creatives that we love? I just had a few people running through my head. Okay. I want to 
mention the wonderful Alistair Gray, mm-hmm. who was a dear friend of my family's, passed away quite recently, but it just, I mean, incredible, incredible artist and just, yeah, it was so... I feel like he beautifully celebrated Scotland mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't just performative or sure. nationalistic. It was, like, just beautiful. And the other one is Jackie Kay. Yeah. Who I love to bits. And mm-hmm. she's a really good friend of another amazing creative, Suzanne Bonner, who is a really close pal of mine. And, yeah, if you've... If you're... in uh, God, now I'm thinking Liz Lockhead. Like, there's literally so many. But just... Yeah, I think we should do a little like show notes list of like some amazing people that celebrate Definitely. Scotland in their work. Yeah. Um that isn't just Shrek or Fat Bastard. <laughs> yeah. I the people that spring to well, Alan Cumming is one oh, for me. Oh yeah. What an absolute delight that he exists. Darling. Um with the most amazingly weird accent. Yeah. Talk about fucking bizarre accent. Yeah. Shout out to the Homo Sapiens podcast. Oh man. So good. So good. A lot of fun. Um also our national treasure, um, Billy Connolly. Oh yeah. Who Big Banana Boots. He he there's my favourite if you only look at one Billy Connolly thing, it's the little clip from quite recently where he talks about swearing. I was about to say the same one when he's like nothing like fuck all yeah. translates into Every language Because it doesn't just mean like, go away. It, it's it is. very. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the clip that I was thinking of too. because yeah. he says, like, you're in an airport in the middle of nowhere and someone goes to touch your bags and you go, fuck, fuck off. off. And no one can, like... No one can <laughs> dispute dare what you, dispute. what you mean. You know yeah. exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's an absolute oh, joy. Brilliant, yeah. Um, and he, he's like, you know, if he is universally just adored as yeah. a bit of Scotland, isn't yeah. he? He is lovely. We're really good at generating poets, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, there's, like, um, poets and novelists. Muriel Spark. Oh, yeah, Muriel Val McDermott. Spark. Val McDermott. There's so many. We sh- Yeah, well, let's put a little Scottish hit list we'll on the show notes, and then you can have a look at them. And Absolutely. probably flag up some people, some um, Scottish Londoners as well. Yeah. I was, oh, my God, need to talk about some people. So, like, Another person that really inspired me is Jimmy Somerville, who was a lead singer at Bronsky Beat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he grew up in Mary Hill and just like, I'm just so inspired by how a wee boy at that time can grow up in Mary Hill and then have this soaring falsetto that was the soundtrack of like gay disco. Yeah. And that's how I just like finding Jimmy Somerville for me, like through my mum playing him when I was younger, was just like, gave me so much hope for who I was Mm -hmm. and then furthered was when I also discovered Michael Clark Mm -hmm. and I was just like oh my god a Scottish Londoner who worked with Lee Bowery and was a beautiful creative queer being that I didn't know about and I was like Michael fucking Clark I also fancy the pants off of Michael Clark and just think he's one of the most beautiful Mm -hmm. spirits and downright fucking sexy people yeah yeah, Michael Clark, all yeah. the way. Winner, absolute winner. Winner, winner, veggie chicken dinner. <laughs> right, so let's talk about Patreon. Yeah, so Kim has been an utter fucking legend, admin legend, and set us up a Patreon page, Yeah, which you can go and check out. And So we have yes. three, three levels. So basically, this stuff is... We love to do this podcast and um, love kind of putting the time in to do it and stuff. What we really need is just a little bit of support to just keep keep the lights on a little bit of support keep I the bills paid some money some 
cash money. Um, And so we have three levels of support. So there's one that is um, for £3 a month. So these are monthly subscriptions. So this is like a coffee, one coffee a month, I guess. Um, Which means you get get all the episodes a day early. Mm -hmm. Um, You get a shout out on this very podcast mm-hmm. and you we're going to set up kind of monthly hangouts so that we can talk to our community of good troublemakers yeah we want to involve you in our lives yeah as exactly. much or as little as you want but we're going to offer you this kind of hangout space to to kind of just yeah be yeah. a part of it and meet each other as meet well. each other and talk about stuff that we you think is, is important and then there is a five pounds level which i guess is like a re a fairly cheap pint oh you'd be hard pressed but yeah maybe somewhere on the outskirts sure <laughs> maybe a nice suburb maybe pint. then actually a, just a large coffee is probably I'd, I'd say more like a large yeah. coffee than a, um, than a pint <laughs> yeah sure um, so that gives you all the things we just said so early access and a hangout and um, a shout out but then also we have a little secret um, Patreon only show called mm. What's the Tonic in Your Gin and the Piss in Your Cornflakes? Um, which is where we will just talk about the stuff that's been going on this week in the news and some good stuff and some bad stuff. Yeah, so it's like being a fly on the wall. Like me and Kim will just ring each other up for a quick, how you doing? Quick yep. check in, and you'll get to see what utter shite Dribble. we ramble on. Exactly. About. Um, and then for the price of a kind of middle, a solid middle, Supermarket bottle of wine, mm. uh, £10 a month. Um, we'll get you that stuff and we'll also get you a lovely hand-drawn um, thank you card and some of our very exciting How Not stickers. Yeah, Which is very exciting. I'm going to stick them all over my body. Um, and we actually... So we want to shout out Bex Birch, who is our first Patreon. She yes, signed yesterday. Bex Birch. What a delight. And she's, before we'd even... Before we'd even told anyone it. about it. She was on she was it. She in. Um, and so this stuff is going to be super useful. We have a list on the Patreon site of what it's going to go to. So we, we want to allocate some of the... Um, some of the money to some charities and organisations yep. that we that we really like, and it would be useful for to hear from you who we th- who you Absolutely. think we should be supporting, um, and then also just to cover some of our kind of base costs and just to make sure that we can make this as as good as we possibly can. Really. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, check it out on Patreon. Um, How not podcast? You'll find us, and you'll find that on our socials as well. Yeah. Um, the nice How Not Pod. The, the How Not Pod on Instagram. Yep. And if you don't like the collaborative effort, but like one of us, you can follow Luca at uh, at Luca Manning underscore uh, or me at Chicken the Pig. And if you don't like either of us individually or collaboratively, but you like the sound of the room, yep. then you can follow uh, Beastly Studios, which is who records us and looks after us. I am run by Sam Dye. You can follow him at Beastly Dye. So there's something for everyone there, there's right? There's something for everyone. Also, you can um, get in touch with us with um, positive emails only. Um, what's our email account? Hownotpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so, far as an email. Because the yeah. thing is, we're just sitting here chatting, right? We don't actually have any idea if we're talking to ourselves, if we're talking to ourselves or anyone or else. Like, yeah. honestly, yeah, no clue. And I'm happy. Oh, I mean, happy? we're having a lovely time. But get in touch and just say, I I'm love listening. You. I'm listening. Yeah, um, and if you do, if you are listening to us um, on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher, just to follow 
and yes, kind of sign up because it's really useful for us some people said that they were struggling to find us when they searched and because we're a brand new baby podcast we kind of get nestled quite far down the list mm, until sad. people start looking for us and listening and, and interact exactly. you know we need, we need follows reviews yeah likes um all that bullshit algorithmic shite we need it so that people get other us. people can hear us do yes. this thing so yeah just even if you don't want to sign up to patreon it's just really nice if you just subscribe or share or tell someone about it yeah. tell your friend about it um so that people can hear this yeah magic yes yeah brilliant okay that's all for today i think so right bye bye, bye.